Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, feeling, imagining, and connected. And I also like to have an opportunity to encourage people to do something, be inspired, challenged to be able to do a bit more because you made the connection. So today, we're having the March for Our Lives. Kids and families of March for Our Lives are taking to the streets in the Twin Cities, Washington, D.C., in cities across the country to demand that their lives and safety become a priority and that we end gun violence and mass shootings in our schools today. And today, we're going to be starting our conversation with Rebecca Otto. She is our state auditor. Uh, thank you for joining me today and for joining us at the AM 950 Blue State Ball. At the ball, you shared about your thoughts on students, um, generally about our Minnesota students, but also you shared some ideas about the students that are marching for their lives. And I'd love for you to share with us today your thoughts on that. Absolutely. Uh, it's great to be with you and happy to talk about this really important um, time in our history where our young people are getting in buses and traveling to Washington, D.C. Um, and marching in the streets. And the ones that aren't going to D.C. are going to be marching in Minnesota. They're going to be marching all over the country. And there is such extraordinary power in what they're doing right now. What they're asking the adults to do is be the grown-ups in the room and make sure that we can be safe in our schools and that they can be safe if they go other places. Um, it, they don't. <laughs> so we need to listen as adults. This is an opportunity for all of us to say enough is enough. And, um, and the, it's really our kids that are providing extraordinary leadership right now and it is very, very powerful. It is getting uh, attention. And when the kids are having to go out and march in the streets and demand that the adults do something, um, we better listen. And recently I was asked by some different um, media outlets. They said, you know, well, do you think anything's really going to change, Rebecca, uh, right now, you know, during 2017, the, I mean, excuse me, 2018 in the um, state legislature? And I said, you know what, if it doesn't, there's going to be big changes in November in 2018 um, because I know that these young people are also going to vote. All the ones that are eligible will be voting. I had a young woman tell me the other night, uh, I was in a gathering in Minneapolis, and she said, you know what, some of us are pretty angry. They're angry because they expect government to keep them safe and to pass policies that make sure that we um, can enjoy the freedom to, um, you know, um, recreate in public spaces, be in our schools, and, you know, here's one quick story I'd like to share. I've had several different parents of kindergartners say to me, Rebecca, when our kids go to school, they're practicing um, lockdown drills for active shooters. And when they come home and they ask about why and what is that, they are deeply uncomfortable. This is not, what is this doing to our kindergartners? That's the question we have to ask. We're hardwiring in stress. And so for me, it's let's all get together and do something. And it's time for the NRA to let go of its stranglehold on our policymakers and say enough is enough. It's time that we come together for our kids. Well, it just strikes me as, as such a shame and, 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 and horrible that these, some of these kids are being um, attacked for what they're doing. Um, and the NRA yeah. has turned into something that it it wasn't. 30 years ago, um, and, and I, I think it's important and a differentiator that, they're, that they support the right for law-abiding Americans to keep and bear arms, but this has gotten out of hand. I mean, we're talking about not hunting guns. We're talking about assault right. weapons that are meant for war. Uh, it, yeah. it seems strange to me that, that anyone can support you know, we don't sell tanks. You know, we had a machine gun ban. Uh, I, I don't understand the fascination with needing to have assault weapons. You know, and that's a really good point. And I would say that this whole thing really isn't about hunting at all. Um, and you don't need military-style rifles or, you know, to, to hunt. And if you do, you might want to go back to the range and practice. Um, so... Really, what we should be doing in government is 
banning assault-style rifles like the AR-15 um, in high-capacity magazines, bump stocks, anything that makes it easier to, um, unfortunately, take a lot of lives in a very short period of time. They're just not needed. And um, making sure we, we close those, um, do the universal background checks, close the gun sale loophole. Those are very important, easy things for us to do. And our kids are depending on us to do this. Um, the NRA has opposed so many common sense um, law changes. Yeah, I, I don't, they, again, I, they, I don't yeah. understand. Isn't it like up to 97% of us in the country believe in um, ch- having the background check? I mean, what stops that? Yes, what, yes. What's yes, the disconnect? It's <laughs> it just, it, it seems very strange to me. And and yeah. it, it seems that the the NRA has changed over the years to being something that was to make sure that you were safe when you used your guns. And, and, and now um, it seems like it has a whole different mechanism to increase fear. And the more fear that we have, the more need there is for folks to feel like, oh, I, I have to protect myself. But at what cost? And... I, 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 my heart goes out also to teachers and the thought that they would have to keep guns. I mean, at what point can the madness stop? And I think that's exactly right. You know, we have to make sure that we have safe workplaces for our teachers and for the staff, paraprofessionals, the administration in our school buildings, the volunteers. Um, but so the thing is, is we have to just step back, take a moment and really think about the consequences of what's happening right now and why the time is now. We have to have a sense of urgency Mm -hmm. to change what we're doing. And, you know, you brought up fear. It's a very powerful motivator. And it makes very strange things happen. And, unfortunately, fear is used in politics, and fear is used in propaganda campaigns that big industry will use, That you know, and it can be very slick. So also, for me, okay. there's a great book out right now, if you don't mind I mention. Please. It's please. Uh, by Brene Brown, and it's called Braving the Wilderness. And she really gets at this fear um, piece and what it's doing to us and how it's creating isolation amongst us. And then you get kind of loneliness. But mm-hmm. it's making us go into our corners. We have to say no more. Let's really look at what's going on. Let's understand what it's doing to our children. Um I had someone say to me the other day, well, Rebecca, we had to practice um, drills in our classroom when I was a kid for a nuclear bomb. And I thought to myself, well, yeah, that's true, but that was with a foreign nation. Right. We're talking about something going on in our own country. Right. And, and so the thing is, is if we're hardwiring fear and chaos into our children's brain, and I had a kindergarten teacher tell me, my kids are riddled with anxiety over this stuff. I thought, no, let's stop. Yeah. Stop, take a break and be logical and do this for our children, because we can. I was a classroom teacher. There's already so much going on in a classroom. Um, you know, not all kids are in a safe environment at home, and so teachers are working hard to, you know, to teach our kids, you know, to help them learn how to get along. Um, but this is another layer of something that just, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be there. And I don't want the answer to be that we militarize our schools. No, no. Um, this is America, and, you know, our, our kindergartners should be learning how to color in the lines, you know, learn reading and math, how to get along, um, take naps. Yeah. And um, and that's what I want the focus of their day to be as they begin to learn how to navigate the world. I think there's also a sense that you can label it's all just mentally ill people. And, and I think that's mm. a, a, a harsh shame because, yes, we do need to have better ways of supporting uh, mental health. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of this comes down to anger and there's a lot of Mm -hmm. anger in our country. And you see so many Mm -hmm. of the, you know, young men that are, are doing this are, are angry and challenged. And, and I think that's something that we also have to face that it it, it could be anyone that gets that angry. So how do we deal with the anger in this world? And how do we particularly deal with the anger right now in our country that's leading to this kind of gun violence? Yes, and I again, I, Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness, really gets at some of this, and she actually talks about sitting down next to people that you don't necessarily agree with, that we actually join hands. Um, we have to have these conversations. Um, isolation, so you talked about sometimes these, these men and young men, isolation, loneliness, 
Um, there's a whole bunch of pieces that um, we need to look at, examine, and come together and decide how we're going to move forward. Um, but I'm not going to take certain answers such as, well, we need to you know, arm our teachers. Right. If you talk to teachers who work in the classroom, having a firearm in the classroom is really actually um, a really bad idea. And so, um, you know, when Ronald Reagan was shot, he was surrounded by Secret Service folks that were highly trained um, with how to use firearms, and it didn't stop somebody. And, um, and so let's just understand what the issue is and, um, and create real solutions. And you know what? A really great example, cars. So back in the 70s, we, you know, we could go fast in cars and, and um, travel, and, and we started losing a lot of lives. And so we studied um, motor vehicle deaths as a public health issue. And when we did that, we found out that we needed to change the design of our cars. So we did, right, airbags, and we changed steering wheels, and we changed the design of roads. We, we created signs on the sides of roads that were breakaway. We put those big barrels, those plastic barrels, in front of a rubber in front of um, bridges where the, you know, the big stanchions were. And when you ran into those, you didn't die. So we reduced deaths. We didn't take away everyone's cars. We also changed public policy. We decided that drinking and driving wasn't the best idea, um, that we needed to slow down a little bit and we could save lives. We also found that um, um, now we know that texting and driving isn't the best idea either. So it's studying is a public health issue. We can save lives. And when people try to blame it on mental health, it's, it's in my opinion, a cop-out because people with mental health issues tend to be victims of gun violence more often than ever a perpetrator. So, um, but what I would advocate for is more social workers in our schools to help our children. So we need counselors, but we need social workers. Um, and so that's going to be a fundamental piece or change that we should be making as well to help our kids um, that are struggling. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. I do want to encourage uh, our audience to think about doing something because you do have the power to do uh, and you can support this by going to change.org and sign a petition for the say, for the March for Our Lives and act to protect and save our children. So Rebecca, thank you. Thank you for joining us and being part of Connections and advocating for safety for our kids. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. And I'm Rachel Shamblot. Did you know a lot of people are afraid of the dentist? You don't need to be afraid of my dad. He makes going to the dentist comfortable and even fun. We don't care if you're a dental regular or haven't seen a dentist in years. We just want to make you comfortable and get you out of pain. If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. Hello, I'm Dr. Vladimir von Surikov, the director and president of the Museum of Russian Art, which holds the finest collection of Russian art in North America, as well as an award-winning gift shop, Izba. Unique gifts, artworks, and artisan-made products are sourced from artists and jewelers who use traditional Russian materials to create stunning pieces for purchase. Izba Gift Shop is on Facebook and Instagram. Our museum is at tmora.org. Visit Izba Gift Shop for that special gift you will cherish. Fearless Comedy would like to invite you to relax, take a deep breath, and enjoy the moment. Because at Die Laughing, we'll be producing 50 straight hours of comedy. And if you go, you're going to need some rest. Die Laughing is a 50-hour comedy marathon taking place at the Phoenix Theater in Minneapolis from April 6th through April 8th. It will feature some of the funniest and most creative comedy acts in the Twin Cities, including May the Farce Be With You, a fearless Star Wars extravaganza that features work by Lori Beth Fitz. You can find the full lineup online at dielaughingmarathon.com. We know that you're excited. You might lose control when you hear that you can come and go for the entire weekend for just a suggested donation of $20. But be calm. Save your energy. Otherwise, you may just die laughing. Die Laughing is a fundraiser for Fearless Comedy Productions. At Fearless, we believe comedy shouldn't be scary. 
it should be fearless. Unbeatable appliance savings, then save more. Have Warner Stellion's free tax rebate event. Save hundreds on the appliances you want. Warner Stellion has them all at guaranteed low prices. Get exclusive additional savings with our free tax rebate event. Then save even more with free local delivery, basic installation, and appliance recycling, all done by our trusted specialists. These exclusive offers are only available for a very limited time and only at Minnesota's appliance specialists, Warner Stellion. Connections Radio Show wants to feature your favorite nonprofits as well as the arts that mean the most to you. Do you have a nonprofit you care about or an artist that you'd like to have featured on Connections Radio Show? We have very reasonable advertising and sponsorship packages that would provide for an on-air segment or perhaps a whole show. Interested? I'm Lori Fitz, and contact me at fitzradio at gmail.com. That's F-I-T-Z radio at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Good morning, I'm Lori Fitz, and welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm glad you joined the conversation. Today our show is connecting with the March for Our Lives on March 24th. In the tragic wake of the 17 lives brutally cut short in Florida, we're often being told that now is not the time to talk about guns. Well, the March for Our Lives believes the time is now. Created by, inspired by, and led by students across the country, they will no longer risk their lives waiting for someone else to take action to stop the epidemic of mass school shootings that has become all too familiar. And today our show is dedicated to that. On Sunday, March 4th, a few weeks ago, I participated in a fundraiser that was part of Theater Action on Gun Control. The plays and monologues were provided to us through a National Theater Action Program. It was a powerful evening for me, and sharing the stage with passionate and caring actors and activists um, really made a, an impact on me, and I was very grateful to Kit Bix, who created this opportunity. And after the play reading, I felt so moved by the experience, I decided to dedicate our show today to the March for Our Lives. So with me in this segment is both the national organizer for Theater Action, Tiffany Anton, who is... Um, who created this whole vision for theater action. And I also have Mari, uh, Mari, <laughs> I've been calling you Mari all morning and then I pronounce it wrong, Mari Pokonowski, who is a teacher, a mother of seven sons. One is an Iraqi vet uh, and four of her sons are in education. She's the current feminist caucus president of the DFL and she's the former president of the Minnesota PTA and uh, formerly the vice chair of equity and diversity committee on the national PTA. So Mari, thank you for joining me today uh, and helping to set the stage for what we're going to be talking about. Thank you. Um, this is so relevant to um, currently this week. I participated in one of the ALICE trainings with a group of sixth graders. Um, so everything that was just said on the earlier segment is so, so powerful. Um, but one of the things that we talked a little bit about was to clarify the term child. In a lot of the literature, we talk about teens and children. Um, we want to, for what we're doing today, we want to clarify that children, our children, are from birth all the way to 18-year-olds. That, um, and to make that, you know, I think it's really important that we use language that is going to fully address it. Um, these teenagers are our children, and we need to be clear on that. So we're going to use that. We're going to, when we reference children, it's going to be um, toddlers, babies, all the way up to 18-year-olds. And I'm going to be asking Mari to share her personal stories of her experience, um, her work in the Northeast Minneapolis area, uh, and, and her experience in working to make a difference and having us look at uh, gun control in powerful ways that we can do something. I also am very grateful for Tiffany joining us. Uh, the Protest Plays Project is a theater protest initiative that was spearheaded by Tiffany, uh, and it was brought to fruition through the collaboration with other passionate playwrights, artistic directors, literary managers, uh, and it's all about theater action, and your focus this month is on gun control. Welcome, Tiffany. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. 
tell me about how you uh, imagine creating theater action and your choice of creating um, gun control as a focus for March. Well, I started Protest Place Project um, a little over a year ago, and uh, is mostly this, uh, I think everybody kind of hits their boiling point. So when I talk to a lot of theater activists or um, or just activists at large, where you hit a, you hit a place where you think, okay, now I, I have to do something, I have to take action. And um, I am currently living in a very conservative area, um, and it's not. It's also a very, very small town, and I haven't really found um, a like-minded group with me here. So I knew that whatever I was going to be doing, I was going to have to rely um, to my connections online. And and I thought, you know, there are so many of us out there, and we feel um, kind of paralyzed. It's really hard when you don't have the resource. I don't own a theater. I don't have a budget. You know, everything that I'm doing is kind of just on my own. And so I thought well, what if I create a, a nexus, an online meeting place to try to connect some of these theater makers and playwrights who are working in um, in socially conscious ways and try to get us um, organized in a way that we can be effective in our in our communities and just see what happens. And so that's that's how it got started. And I've I've really been thrilled with how eager artists have been to get engaged. And and I know that this kind of work has been happening long before I came along. It's just been really nice to be a part of it in this way and to be able to try to find ways to support larger action events like March for Our Lives. Um, and that that really was a no-brainer for me. Um, I, I was just wrecked after the, after the Marjorie Stoneman shooting. Um, uh, you know, it, it's happened so many times, and every time we think maybe this will be the last, and it never is, and it's it's just heartbreaking, and it's exhausting, and it's debilitating, and and so I thought, well, I know playwrights have written plays about gun violence. I know playwrights want to see change. I know that there are theater makers out there who feel the same way. Uh, let's see if we can get something going and I was really impressed with um, with not only the amount of passion and like yes take my play let's do it please please read it let's let's support let's support the walkouts let's support the marches with um, creative action um, but then also to be connected uh, Carrie Dutzvich who's a fantastic playwright and organized uh, um, gun control theater action um, in 2013 which I wasn't aware of um, she connected with me. Um, then I also was able to access their plays and the After Orlando plays. And so really what Protest Plays Project does is is say, send us your, your work that you want us to make available, and we will connect it to theater makers. And so we have over 200 plays that have been shared with us that have been made free for readings this month and next in support of all the events. Um, up to every 28 Hours plays reached out to us. I mean, it's just been amazing to see so much support. And in our next segment, Tiffany, you've been very kind to uh, provide us two, um, a monologue and, uh, well, two plays, uh, a one and a half minute play and a five minute play. Uh, so we're going to have our own little theater action on radio. Uh, so I, I yes. appreciate you doing that. So we, we keep it going. I also, in our next segment, if you could tell me a little bit about what's gone on around the country, that would be fabulous, too. I know that we're very proud of what we're doing here in Minnesota and that you can consider this a, a, an addition to your theater action uh, because we will be providing um, real art in our next segment. So stay with us. Um, also, check out change.org. There's a petition there about gun control, so you can do something. And I want you to sign up for that, folks. So we'll be right back after a few short announcements. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Sometimes I, my parents have to take me to the hospital. Today, one out of 13 children suffer from some form of asthma accounting for nearly one-third of all emergency room visits. I feel like I'm choking. It's kind of like an elephant is on my chest. A little whistle sound comes out when I breathe. 
But while your child may suffer from asthma, asthma doesn't have to make your child suffer. There are simple ways you can prevent your child's next attack. To learn more, log on to www.noattacks.org or call your doctor. Because even one attack is one too many. I feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA, the Ad Council, and this station. Enjoy a delicious home-cooked breakfast or lunch away from the kitchen at Milda's Cafe, now open seven days a week. Milda's Cafe has been cooking up family favorites since 1964. Grab a coffee and sit down for a delicious Philly scramble, house-made rolls, or Denver omelet. Stop in for lunch where you'll find authentic Finnish pasties every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Open weekdays 6 to 3, weekends 8 to 2. Milda's Cafe on Glenwood Avenue, four blocks east of Penn. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The Spring St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, will be running April 27th, 28th, and 29th. This is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you'll have the chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries. Hosting over 350 artists, up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 34 locations. Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for you to own. When you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community with free transit passes. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. That's thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today will be cloudy with a high near 40 with a 20% chance of snow this morning. Tomorrow will be mostly sunny with a high near 43. And Monday we'll see a high near 42 with snow turning to rain throughout the day. The Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week is Hazel's Northeast. Their dishes made from scratch are rooted in over 50 years of family tradition that are healthy, hearty, and beautifully served. Come visit them at 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. And for more information, see eatlocalminnesota.com. Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, and today we're talking about gun control, and we're supporting the March for Our Lives that is taking place across the country, Washington, D.C., our Twin Cities, and all over. Uh, We have wonderful guests that are part of uh, the show. We've got Mari Pokanowski, who is a teacher, a mother. Um, She's got a son who is an Iraqi vet. Uh, She's got Seven boys, not just one, seven. Uh, She's the former president of the PTA here in Minnesota and vice chair of equity and diversity committee for the national PTA. I also have Tiffany Anton. Uh, Tiffany started Theater Action, uh, and this month uh, the Theater Action has been devoted to gun control. So, Tiffany, my friend, tell me about this first piece that we're going to listen because we're going to have um, the drill uh, be played. Tell me a little bit of background on that, and then we'll we'll bring that up. Sure. Um, this piece is by Stephen Kaplan. It's a one-page, well, one-and-a-half-page play. It's, it is available on the New Play Exchange, and uh, Stephen's play uh, starts off the new collection put together by playwright Rachel Carnes. It's 20 pieces written about specific school shootings. Um, I wrote a play for it, Diana Bravano, who's the piece you're going to be playing in a moment. She wrote a piece for it. There are a number of playwrights who just, uh, Rachel put out a call and said, hey, who who wants to write a play specifically about school shootings to try and raise awareness and um, raise some funds for Moms, moms Demand Action? Um, I believe Stephen's play was already written. It's not about a specific event, um, but it is one that's a, it's, it's well, 
I, I don't think I should say anything else about All it. Right. I think it says for yep. And then <laughs> after, the pe- after the piece, I'm going to have Mari make some comments about um, her perspective sure, sure. Um, as a teacher. So I'm going to have Sam, our technical director, uh, cue that up for us. This is Drill by Stephen Kaplan. A high school classroom. The teacher stands before three students, sitting at their desks taking notes. And what's the main theme of Wordsworth's poem? The things which I have seen I now can see no more. Anyone. Think what his title... A loud beep from the loudspeaker. The vice principal's voice is heard. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an active shooter in building drill. Again, this is an active shooter in building drill. Please lock your doors and turn out your lights. The teacher, matter-of-factly and almost bored, goes to lock a door and the lights dim as they turn out the lights. The students sit up from their desks and move to a corner of the room where they sit on the floor. They are not scared. They do not goof off. They just follow the instructions, matter-of-factly, almost bored. The teacher stands near them. They remain there. They do not make eye contact. They sit. They are thinking of their homework, their after-school practice, their prom date, the groceries to pick up after work. They sit and stand. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Code green again. This is a code green. Teacher turns the lights back on, and students and teacher return to their spots and to their lesson. Think about the title of his poem. What are the things from childhood which you have seen but now can see no more? End of play. Mari, I saw you take some deep sighs when you were listening to this piece. Tell me about what you feel after you heard that. Um, Well, um, Columbine was 19 years ago. 18 years ago, I was in teaching in a school an hour west of the cities. And the students were told that they um, didn't have to come, you know, that there was a delayed start and the teachers had to show up on time. We were pulled into a room and we were thus instructed that um, there had been a young girl who had made a list and a plan of coming and killing about 26 students. Um, about 20 of those students were my, in my first hour class. So we went from there, and we went, I went into the classroom, and the kids, of course, already knew um, what was up, and, and they were seniors in high school. They were seniors. And 30 of them were young men, and I proceeded to have to have this conversation with them. Um, and we talked about what would we do, and, you know, me being that proactive teacher and that mother, well, you know what, we'll lock the door and we will, you know, we'll push this up against the door and we'll do this and this and this. And they just looked at me and they said, with those guns, you can't do anything with those guns. And that's seniors in high schools. Now, this past week, like I said a little bit earlier, we did an Alice drill, and I was with sixth graders. And I remember at the morning Um, beginning of the morning looking at these sixth graders and saying okay you know we have this drill I don't want you to have to worry I want you all to know that it's just a drill so what am I thinking right now well you also know that three weeks ago there was a student that had um, I found out that he was threatening to hurt me the other day I finally found out what it was and I found out that this student wanted to um, wanted to kill me and chop me up and feed me to animals. So am I feeling a whole lot of stuff right this second? I am. And as an advocate, it is about, this has been 19 years. And, and it saddens me that it has had to take our children to finally rise up because we adults, we haven't done what we were supposed to do. And a teacher has so much love for her children. And to be put into a place where you may have to defend and and risk your own life um, seems a lot to ask for our teachers. It seems more than is reasonable. What What I think is even more 
um, unreasonable is asking second graders to pick up books to practice throwing at somebody that may kill them. I think that's even more unreasonable. It gets absurd. It does get absurd. It, it does. And um, the research that I've done, it talks about what are we doing um, to the mental state of our children. We have time for the second um, the second play that you've brought to us, Tiffany. And mm-hmm. um, if you want to set this up um, for, I believe it's called Rounds Per Minute. Uh, rounds Per Second. Per Second, thank you. Um, this is by Diana Burbano, and she is um, a Long Beach playwright. She's actually very socially active in her work. We've We've been able to, we've been very fortunate to have Diana uh, write for our Heal the Divide initiative on protest plays as an online uh, residency playwright. So she's, she's very engaged and she, she cares and she has a lot to say and she, she says it very well. Um, and I think, I think here what's, what's so interesting, Diana is drawing some parallels. Um, she's a Colombian playwright, um, immigrant. Um, she, she lives here full time. She's, a magnificent artist contributor to the to her community. She works with all kinds of of people. Um, she's a teacher and an advocate, and um, I think she's she draws some very interesting parallels here between this the the flurry of attention that that does come from a school shooting um, versus the the broader gun violence issue at large too outside of the school and we have um, just we have just enough time to just play that we're going to end the segment with it going into this um this play and then um we'll catch back up after um after commercial break so we'll go ahead and, and play rounds per second rounds per second by diana burbano the characters are a professor a white female and a housekeeper Latina female. A housekeeper is cleaning the inside of an office. A well-dressed woman enters, sits at her desk, and stares out. She pulls a bottle out of her desk, looks at it, but doesn't drink. Senora, are you okay? The professor is startled to see her there. I'm... I'm... Senora? You don't have to finish in here, Lupe. I'm Tonali. Lupe doesn't work the weekends. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't really looking at you. I know. I'm almost done. Fine. The professor starts poking around on her iPhone. She looks very disturbed. Senora. Yes, Tony. Tonali. Senora, they... they caught the man. Which man? The shooter. He was a boy. They caught him? You were there. They shot him dead. Oh, Rounds per second. Per second? How is that possible? Military technology, senora. I teach English. It was an assault rifle. Very easy to buy. He was my student. I know. He was mentally ill. You would have to be to shoot people. So many young people dead. I thought universidades were safe spaces. Yes, safe. My family was shot in Ciudad Juarez, but that was because of the drug dealers. And my father was the mayor. They thought they had shot me dead, but my blood mixed with my brothers and I lay very still, so I lived. Did you? How does it feel knowing you are supposed to be dead? You tell me, senora. I... I don't know. I want to sleep. Thank God they caught him. Macbeth hath murdered sleep. He must have been very rich, that young man. This school is expensive. He was brilliant. He was on scholarship. Money doesn't buy happiness, but it buys a lot of guns. Tonali, he shot me. He shot at me, but the... I don't know. I, I don't know anything about guns. But it kept clicking. He forgot to reload. He had another gun. A bigger one. The assault rifle. Automatic. Yes. 
But he didn't use it on you? I think he wanted to blow my head off with one shot. It's usually much messier than that. When they executed my father, it took several shots to blow off his head. How do you feel? Tonali, a young white boy, shot 14 people. There was no drug cartel, nothing. Only the desire to do great, great harm. Then perhaps we should kill ourselves now and save fate the trouble. I feel dead. I am dead. Am I dead? Si. Perdón, señora. The gun was loaded. Are you dead? I think so. Why are you here? I'm cleaning your office. Where are my students? They're gone. Can you make my phone work? Why? I need to call my mother. She knows you're dead. It's on the news. The candidates are already tweeting about it. I was brusque with him. I was arrogant. Only in the way all North Americans are arrogant? I... I never had children. Good. Then they can't mourn you. Where do I go? I don't know. Do you believe in God? No. Do you? Yes. It doesn't matter. We're stuck here. Is this hell? America or this campus? I don't want to die. I know. Help me clean the blood off the floor. I'm sorry. You weren't greatly respected or particularly admired. You weren't brilliant or radical or innovative. But you were a nice person. They will turn you into a saint. They're already leaving teddy bears outside the door and lighting candles. You'll have a grave. My mother's body was never found. I don't deserve to be dead. Professora, none of us deserve to be alive. Help me clean. The housekeeper hands the professor a cloth. They both scrub at the growing blood stain on the floor. End of play. Rounds per second. The Spring St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, will be running April 27th, 28th, and 29th. This is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you'll have the chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries. Hosting over 350 artists, up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 34 locations. Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for you to own. When you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community with free transit passes. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. That's thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. By opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests, we'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together, we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Connections Radio Show wants to feature your favorite nonprofits as well as the arts that mean the most to you. Do you have a nonprofit you care about or an artist that you'd like to have featured on Connections Radio Show? We have very reasonable advertising and sponsorship packages that would provide for an on air segment or perhaps a whole show. Interested? I'm Lori Fitz and contact me at fitzradio at gmail.com. That's F I T Z radio at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Stages Theatre Company is dedicated to creating a space where diverse opinions, courageous dialogue, and community engagement is not only valued, but vital to our shared artistic and educational success. Stages Theatre Company creates a welcoming home for all. For over 30 years, Stages has supported quality theater programming for children. Stages gives opportunities for youth to be on stage, backstage, in the audience, and in the classroom. Whether you come to see a show, enroll a young person in a workshop, or benefit from their outreach programs in the community, Stages brings art to life. 
Learn about Stages Theater by going to stagestheater.org and become part of the magic of live theater by taking your family to an amazing show or enrolling someone you love in an education program. Stages Theater Company operates out of the Hopkins Center for the Arts, located in Main Street in the heart of downtown Hopkins. For more information on Stages Theater, go to stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. When they executed my father, it took several... This is Connections Radio Show, and we've been talking about gun control. We've been supporting the March for Our Lives. Uh, I have two wonderful guests with me right now. Uh, We have Mari Pokonoski, who is a teacher, who will be sharing her reactions to the piece that we just heard in the last segment. Um, I also want to thank Tiffany. Thank you, Tiffany, for sharing these segments and bringing you know art to life for us. Uh, I'm a big believer that art allows us to have empathy as well as to imagine a world that's different than we have right now. And I want to thank you for all the work that you're doing with Theater Action to help make that happen. Thank you. I, I absolutely agree. The empathy and the opportunity to have constructive dialogue with our audiences um, it it opens doors. It it may not open all the doors, but it opens some important doors. Thank you for having having me on. Absolutely, Mari, you're a teacher. It was a very powerful piece uh, in the last segment, especially when your life has been threatened. Um, you had not heard this piece before, so I I'm sure it, it, uh, I hadn't. <laughs> so tell, I hadn't. T- tell me what you think. Um, well. I, like I said before, you know, this has been going on too long, um, 19 years since Columbine. And what most people don't realize is what really is happening to our children. And what makes me sad is that all that's been happening with our children, that it took um, uh, uh, something such as this to a group of white students, that we finally are making a voice and we're screaming loud about it. When you look at the, the number of children overall, especially, especially children of color that are killed every day because of gunfire, some of the statistics are staggering. First of all, do you realize that our military and our police officers have approximately 4 million guns? Now, we as a public have 301 million guns. So when the NRA is arguing you take our guns away and they're going to deny us guns, how many more guns do we need? That's one per person. Another statistic that is staggering is that when we think of the Newtown massacre and the number of children killed there, that every three days that many or more children die from gunshots. That children under the age of three more are killed every year than law enforcement that are killed in active duty. Every two hours and 48 minutes, a child dies. Um, I think um, uh, we have more, but we only have so much time. Every year, this is another one, every year, 171 classrooms of children are killed. 171 classrooms. We we, the U.S., own up to 35 to 50 percent of all the world's guns. I, uh, so when the, argument, when the argument with the NRA and those supporting gun control, gun control, I think we would all agree that there are a number of issues that we need to address here. We need to address mental health. Um, we, we need to address an assortment of things. Um, but... And, and we have to be educated, get the statistics, know the statistics so that you can be ready for that argument. But another thing is, is, is about being action. We can't just sit and be, have it all in our heads. We have to show action. And one of the actions that we can do is volunteering within our schools. Instead of having these, uh, I'll be honest with you, these insane Alice drills that are messing with the psychology of our children, 
It is, you know, programs such as Watchdogs. Watchdogs is is an organization. Um, I know that PTA has supported it greatly, and it's a national group. And Watchdogs is is about the involvement of men into our school districts. Um, we have, you know, we, there's a lot of moms, but this is an opportunity for something for dads to do, in which one of the things is not only being visible and being present in um, as a male role model in our children's lives is about being present and moving around, checking the doors, being present and making it known in the community that there are watchdogs, dads of great students. Um, anyone from, you know, an uncle, a brother, an older brother, grandfathers, dads, um, but men that are going to be present, interacting with the kids and making sure that all those that are might could that they know that the dads are there. And I don't, you know, I think that is a powerful way um, and a healthy way um, to be a deterrent from those that are thinking about possibly um, doing a school shooting. I think there's a claiming process of claiming the protection of children. Um, and and part of that claiming for me is not only volunteering and um, speaking out, but there are things that we can do to sign petitions as well as to volunteer. And and one of the petitions that I want to make sure people know about is the change.org. It's a March for Our Lives, an act to protect and save our children. There are three things that they believe in. Passing a law to ban the sale of assault weapons, like the ones that were used in Las Vegas, Orlando, Sandy Hook, uh, and more recently the Marjorie uh, Stoneman Douglas High School. Prohibiting the sale of high-capacity magazines as the one that was at the school in, uh, in Florida. Closing the loophole in background checks that allows um, all kinds of individuals to buy uh, weapons that they shouldn't. I remember um, you also mentioned you know, violence against women, and that, that's also part of this in terms of looking at um, our gun laws. I know we only have a, a minute or so left, but... You made a very powerful statement at, at the program that we were at in terms of, you know, why do people have access to guns if, you know, they've been abusive? <laughs> oh, without, without a doubt. Um, how is it that when, when um, a per perpetrator, uh, an abuser, can have access to a gun, that's one of the reasons for waiting you know, waiting laws is that it, it's that calming down, it's that diffusing versus that very volatile moment. And um, research that I have done is that um, more people are, you know, guns in a home are more apt to be used against you or suicide or an accident. Mm -hmm. um, seldom are they ever, the, the amount of, other than the hunting itself, most of the time, the gun is to be used against yourself. So thank you, um, both my guests today. Uh, and I also want to thank Rebecca Otto for joining us in the first segment. We need to do something. We need to protect our children, and we need to protect our families. And, and that means looking at gun control in a very powerful way. Thank you for joining us, and I hope that you'll make a difference and sign a petition and volunteer and do something. Get connected. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I want you to run. Uh.